Well, I, uh, I already kicked off the sermon earlier, and you guys did a super good job. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. And I, you guys did so good. You did so good. I'm going to touch on one, one, one point of that. This is, you know, we just came out of, of humbling ourselves through fasting and prayer, and that is an, an important part of our relationship with, 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 with God. Um, fasting is a massive, powerful nuclear option that sometimes we've got to take to just drop bombs on the plans of the enemy, as well as release heaven in certain ways. And plus, it humbles us in a way. I mean, how many of you know the Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And when you humble yourself in front of God, he literally exalts you. He lifts you up. He lets you share in his glory. And it reminds you, by the way, when you humble yourself, it reminds you how little you are, which is really a relief. Isn't it a relief to find out like, oh, good, I'm... <laughs> Oh, it's not all on me. I'm just one person. Oh, God, I'm glad you know that. I didn't know that until I fasted. And when you humble yourself, me and Marianne are going there right now. <laughs> when you fasted, it reminded you that it's on him, that his strength is, is, is made perfect in our weakness, that we're really leaning on him. It's a way of surrender. And I want to talk to you about another aspect, another one of those weapons as our warfare our we weapons as, weapons of our warfare is worship. It's an outcome of our worship is that it also destroys the works of the devil, that it defeats the enemy. So that's a beautiful outcome of worship. It's an important outcome because how many of you guys know we're, we are still in a battle. Jesus won a complete victory, but we're mopping up, aren't we? And so there's still, there's still darkness and light. There's still give and take going on. And we need to engage in the ways that Christ has taught us to engage so that we can overcome. Are you guys with me? And, and so one of the things I shared with you earlier as we, were, as we were worshiping is the shout. The shout is an important part of our relationship with God. Uh, David understood well. And you guys, King David went through, went through some stuff. Am I talking too fast? Let me slow down. I'm going to take a breath. Oh, okay, there we go. David went through some stuff. David knows what it is to face overwhelming odds, betrayal, losing his best friend. Uh, lost his first wife, actually, as well. He, she was literally given away to somebody else. How do you like those apples? He understands what it is to lose. And one of the things that he understood as he was walking with God, as he was walking with this wonderful dad, our dad, is that there's a vital, important part of our relationship with him that we only find in the place of worship. And one of those ways that we worship, one of those weapons of our warfare in, in getting breakthrough is in the shout. And I want, you to, I want you to put that back in your arsenal. Put that back in your intimacy with the Lord. That sometimes you just, need to, you just need to be in your car and you need to be thinking about that thing. It's just you and Jesus driving down the road and you just be like, my God is good. My God is a lion. And people will just think you're having like a really intense phone call is all or a little road rage, but either way, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that this is an important part of your relationship with the Lord. And, the, and, I, and, I, and you're going to remember this, by the way. Holy Spirit will quicken this to you that there'll be some times where you're just like, man, I just cannot seem to get breakthrough. I just, I'm just lethargic. I'm just stuck. I just feel like I don't know what the next thing is. And you know what? Just start singing at the top of your lungs. 
and just, and just keep, keep shouting some declarations. And you will sense a shift that happens, not only in the spirit, but in you. And you'll remember suddenly, I am more than victorious through Christ Jesus. There really are some of those sticky wickets that it's going to take a shout to unstick it. Not a very catchy rhyme, but rhymes nonetheless. So can you receive that? Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. How do I, how do, I do this? How do I do this? This is, this is such an interesting thing. In fact, let me, let me just kind of unpack this. It continues in verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. I come before his presence with singing because I'm meditating on the fact of knowing that the Lord is God. And it goes deeper. It's he who made us, not we ourselves. Breathe a sigh of relief right there. Oh, I didn't make me. I am not a self-made woman. I am not a self-made man. It is he who made me. Another translation goes a little further with it too. And the other aspect of this is that it is he who made us. We didn't make him. Aren't you glad we didn't make him up? I think sometimes in our worst moments, you know, or our weakest moments, the enemy's right there to be like, you know, aren't you kind of just believing in a fairy tale anyway? And you're like, oh my gosh, am I? I mean, he is invisible, right? <laughs> is God my invisible friend? Yes, he actually is. We're like the few people in the world that have a real invisible friend. And he made us. And as we begin to meditate on these things, as we sing these things, as we talk about these things, as we worship him in these things, we start to go, wow, it's you that made me. I didn't make myself. We begin to rest in that reality. It goes further. We are his people and the sheep of his pastures. There's so much packed into that. We are his people. Do you know who else are his people? No one. Only those that are his people are his people. <laughs> it's so basic, you can miss this. So let me say it again. You are his people. There's no one else like you. There's no one else to do what you do. There's no one else other than those that have responded to the Lord as we have that are his people. It's a privilege, guys. There's a privilege that is ours because he has said, I choose you. I choose you. And then he goes, will you choose me back? Because I've already chosen you. That's what we find in Christ. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were his enemies, he gave his life for us. Now, we weren't yet his people, but it was available. And then he says, I already choose you. But then here's, what, here's where it happens. Here's where it happens. This is how we become his people. He already chose us. We know it says, God desires that none would perish, but all would have everlasting life. And whoever believes on him will be saved and be with him forever, now and forever. 
But those who don't believe in him, those who have heard the good news and reject him, are already condemned. Why? Because they don't believe that he is who he says he is. They don't believe he's actually as good as he is. It's like, oh, you're, that's not true. You're not that good. He goes, but look at my son. I am that good. This is how I feel about you. And our response, every bit of our response is worship. We are his people. The difference is that we worship him. Everybody worships something. But we, his people, worship him. Before you were with him, you worshiped power or influence or money or things or pleasure or whatever. But once you changed, once you said, wait, it's, you choose me? Then I choose you back. Then you became his people, the sheep of his pasture. And now suddenly we have this privilege that no one else has to actually touch his heart and to release heaven through the relationship that we have with him. And that's what worship is. We actually, think about what Jesus prayed for us in John 17. He says, Father, I want them to see the glory that you've given me, the glory that I have in you. And you go further down John 17, he says, Father, I want them to have the glory with us that you've given me. Our destiny, we've been born again, and our destiny, part of what we do as his people, we actually carry his glory. When we behold him, we begin to shine like the Father, like the Son, like the Holy Spirit. We begin to shine and we begin to release the glory of God into the earth. And you know who else can do that? Flippin' no one. That's where, did you see that? We are his people. Only his people can do that. We get to join with the angels the angels get to choose to glorify God, and we know that when we worship, we do join with angels who worship and glorify God, but here's the difference. The angels have seen him. We get to worship one we haven't yet seen. We get to give him something that is unique and different and valuable like that the angels can't even give him. That is your birthright. That is your relationship as his people, the sheep of his pasture. Only you can carry that. Only you can do that for his heart. Only you can release heaven in that way. Do you see that? Do you see that? You're a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. Come on. Look at your neighbor and be like, you peculiar. Yeah. Put a little stank on it. You're carrying the glory of God. And the enemy knows, the enemy knows how powerful it is for you to understand that and for you to do it. And he will do and is doing everything that he can to distract you through shame, through anything he can come up with. Busyness, minimizing what it is. I think that's probably the main thing is just minimizing it. Oh, worship is just singing on Sundays. Oh, it's singing on Sundays, but it's much more. Well, worship is just dancing around like a lunatic like Josh. Oh, it is all that, but it is much more. You see, God has given us 
the privilege and the glory of releasing that glory into the earth. And above even that, above even that, is to behold his goodness and to actually become like him, to touch his heart. Jesus is the firstborn of many. We're the many. Jesus was here to show and share the glory of God. We are here to show and share the glory of God. Do you guys see that? That's what this is what we're talking about here in Psalm 100. Now, as we're doing that, first, first of all, can you receive that? Are you guys hearing this? Are you seeing that? You're a royal priesthood. Only you can do this. You and I get to do this. And we get to touch dad's heart. That's the part that just blows my mind. That's the part that just blows my mind. I remember Jason preached a really strong word at one point. He said one of the hardest things for a, for a father is when you're trying to look your child in the eyes and they won't look back at you. They won't look you in the eyes. And it's just that sense of disconnect. Well, we, we, God has given us the privilege, as it were, to look him back in the eyes and say, Dad, I love you. I have seen who you are. And I love you back. I choose you back. I love you back, Dad. You're, you're, you're exactly as good as Jesus said you were. You're exactly as good as Stephanie said you were. You're exactly as good as the Bible said you are. And I like it. It's worship. Now what's amazing about this is as we worship him, the Lord releases angels and I think it's a lot like this. Like he's just looking at us and he has that, oh man, Josh is talking to me. Hey angels, go destroy his enemies. Tell me again, how are we doing, Joshua? Fine. <laughs> That's right. Oh, Jan, you're one of God's favorites. Hallelujah. Are you guys seeing this? You see, the first thing that we get is we get the privilege to minister to God's heart. And all the things that flow out of that, everything else flows out of that. Because we become like what we behold. That's why this worship piece is so huge. You could interchange worship and relationship. All right, remember to have relationship with the Lord in all that you do. Make a joyful shout when you're talking to him. Serve him with gladness in this relationship. Come before his presence with singing in this relationship. Know that he, the Lord, is God. Imagine if our Lord wasn't God. Imagine if our Lord was like Ray Kroc, founder of McDonald's. Like, that's pretty cool. It was super successful. I think they own more real estate than any other corporation in the world. But, you know, one, he's dead. <laughs> kind of a problem. You know, like he's done a lot of good things. Salvation Army, they gave like a billion dollars to Salvation Army. Good job. But, you know, that's got some limits, right? But our Lord is God. Like our daddy is God. We get to sing to our Lord who is God. We get to relate to our Lord who is God. That, doesn't that just warm your heart? Like my dad is God. Janae. 
That's a good thing. It's a good thing. <laughs> and it's he who made us, not we ourselves. Think about this for a minute. This means that we can actually rest in his love. You see, if you and I created this relationship, we can never rest. But he created us, and we get to respond to him, which means we're resting in what he created. We're not striving to prop it up. We're responding to what is real and true. That's a say law, isn't it? We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Mm. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. You know what's amazing too about all of his names like Jehovah Jireh, which means God, my provider. That, that, his, that, that he's like, listen, I want my name to resemble my character. I love that Holy Spirit's number one beginning job is to reveal the Father, the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, wherewith we are sealed, whereby we cry out, Daddy God. Did you know that one of God's names is Andy's Daddy? I serve Andy's Daddy. <laughs> love Andy's Daddy. That's a good God. Come on, right? Aren't you guys glad we serve Andy's daddy? It's one of his favorite names. Are you guys seeing this? He's my daddy. Come on, Jessica's daddy. It just keeps getting better. Now, be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. Just listen to this. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. Aren't you glad it doesn't say his mercy's pretty good at the first? <laughs> like, oh yeah, oh. <laughs> well how first? Like when does that change? No, no, no. His mercy is everlasting. Isn't that sweet? Like this is the beginning part of our relationship as he showed up and goes, listen, you've done a lot of bad things. And you got robbed, you got ripped off. You have an enemy you didn't even know you had. Okay, I'm talking about before you turned to him. And you're all busted up in ways you don't even know about. But here's the thing. I choose you. And I can fix all that stuff. In fact, my son Jesus already made a way to fix all that stuff. So I just want to know, do you want me to be your dad? Come on. Because my habit, my ever, the everlasting thing about me is I like to extend mercy. Not the cheap kind, the expensive stuff. Talk to my son, Jesus. He gave his life for you. Ask him what I'm like. Guys, that's why we worship. Because these things are true. These things are true. So the shouting part is sometimes we shout the true things about God because we're sick and tired of listening to that litany of nonsense from the enemy that my God's not good. Sometimes we shout those true things about daddy. We go, my dad is good. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
You remember in the playground, right? It's like, my dad could beat up your dad. No, uh Yes, he could. My dad would pick up a washing machine and pop your dad in the head with it. No, he wouldn't. And pretty soon you're like, my dad would kick you, right? That's what we do. Sometimes we have to tell the devil, my God is good. In the midst of cancer, my God is good. In the midst of divorces, my God is good. In the midst of singleness, where I don't have the gift of celibacy, my God is good. Come on. (laughs) He'll bring them along. You're going to be okay. And worst case scenario, none of us are married in heaven. It's true. I get a little worried sometimes that we, that we sometimes forget to value the fact that singleness is a gift from the Lord too. Marriage is a gift and singleness is a gift and nobody's married in heaven. I don't know who this is for, but this is important. You're not living a secondary life that God has called you unto himself, that you are unfettered to the responsibilities of family. You are free to just do what Jesus is doing. Paul said, I wish everybody was like me. Collective groan for those who don't have the gift of celibacy. They're like, well, we don't, Paul. There'd be nobody left on the earth. Anyway, <laughs> perhaps I've, perhaps I've uh, g- gone off on a bunny trail. <laughs> but in the midst of singleness, my God is good. In the midst of marriage, my God is good. Are you with me? All right. So what happens when you have those times where, where you just can't seem to find that? So you've tried the shouting. It helped a little. You're going to pull out a different tool. Well, Psalms 100 gives us a great one here. And I love this. I love this. I love this, this, um, this picture. And uh, actually, last night, somebody brought me. It's on my desk. I forgot to grab it. But it's a little card. And it's like folded in half. I think Sarah Haig made it. And it's folded in so the little doors. And it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. And you open it up and inside it says, Lord, what do you want to say to me about you? And then on this side, it says, Lord, what do you want to say to me about me? And then on the other side, it says, Lord, what do you want to say about anything else? Isn't that a great picture? We enter in through Thanksgiving and then we say, Lord, what do you want to share about you? Well, that's, that's, that's Psalms 100 that we're entering into his gates. And then it goes further into his courts with praise. We come before his presence with singing. How many of you know that what we really want is to be aware of his presence in all things, isn't it? And sometimes you're like, Lord, where are you? Like, I don't remember the last time I was aware of your presence. Like, I know you're here. Guys, there are times when you don't get to feel his presence, okay? But those, those are not the norm. They're normal in the Christian life overall, okay? You're going to have those times. He's forming something. But the majority of the time, you are aware of his presence. The majority of the time. And if you are not aware of his presence, where there's fullness of joy, right? In his presence is fullness of joy. Kind of an important thing for us, isn't it? So in our worship, we go, Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm not having fullness of joy. I really need to get back into your presence. And it's just not happening. Well, Psalms 100 gives us this beautiful thing in verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. If you're finding that you're not in his courts and you're not in his presence, start at the gate. I must be outside the gate. 
And you just begin to thank him. I had the best testimony this morning. I can't remember his name, that young man. Um, God, help me. I'm going to make a declaration. Lord, thank you that I'm getting so much better at remembering names. I speak to the things that are not as though they are. So this young man comes up, and he's limping a little bit. and He's got like a thing on his ankle. And, he, and I, we go, what happened? He goes, oh, man, I fell down the stairs. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, I fell down 16 stairs at work. And I'm like, and he's like, praise God. All I did was sprain my ankle. I was like, what? Is that the best testimony? It's like, so, I mean, I feel like that's a pretty good attitude. I, I would be talking it up. Like, dude, I fell down the stairs yesterday. 16 stairs. Let's just count them together. Kawump, 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 Right? It reminds me when Sinbad did his thing, right? He's like, falling, Grandma falling down the stairs, right? Help me, Jesus, help God, Jesus, help me, Jesus, go down. Anyway, none of you saw it. Okay, that's fine. I'm older than all of you. That'd be more like me. Anyway, but here's this young man, fell down the stairs, and he's, he's, he pops up with Thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus, it's only my ankle. <laughs> but I'd say that's a great example for us, isn't it? We begin with Thanksgiving. We begin with Thanksgiving. I had the most unique worship service with the Lord yesterday morning. And uh, it, this has never happened to me before. I'm, I'm reading this. And uh, in the middle of it, Karen and I needed to have our, our uh, financial meeting. We do our budget worksheet together once a month. And if we don't, then I overspend by $200. And uh, that is true. Um, not in, in $200 increments, but in like $13 increments up to $200. But if we look at that budget together, this is for all those married people, and look at the vision of what we're working on, then we both are encouraged and on the same page. That's a say law. You're welcome. That's free. If that just saved your marriage, you can write a check to... No, I'm just kidding. Um, so so I'm, we're going through the budget worksheet together, and then we were done, and then she went off to do whatever she was doing and I'm sitting there looking at the budget worksheet and, I, and honestly, I got to tell you, I was in such a funk yesterday. It took me all day to get out of it and, um, and, and here's how he got me out of it. I'm sitting here looking at this budget worksheet and I was just kind of like, you know, <laughs> Yosemite Sam. Does, does anybody know who Yosemite Sam is at least? Okay, praise God. I'm like really noticing how old I'm getting when I make certain comments and everybody's like, they pull the phones out, start Googling. Then I know, I'm like, okay, missed it by 10 years. Okay, or 20. Anyways, so I'm just, uh, and, uh, and the Lord was just like, enter into my gates with thanksgiving. I'm like, all right, enter your gates. Thank you, Lord, that you're good. He goes, no, why don't, why don't you do this? Why don't you go through your budget? Start thanking me for every line on that item, or every item on that budget. I'm <laughs> like, that's so dumb, that's got to be the Lord. I'm just being honest. I was like, that's a dumb idea. Then I thought, oh, it's probably the Lord. So it wasn't dumb. I just thought it was dumb. I can feel your judgment. <laughs> so I did. Father, I thank you for Comcast, Lord. I thank you that every time that I need to Google a scripture so that I can sound smart, my, my Wi-Fi is just right there. Father, I thank you for CBN. Karen and I have supported CBN for like 24 years. Thank you, Lord, that they still do Operation Blessing. And they're out delivering food today. Thank you that we get to partner with that, Lord. 
Thank you that they're doing succession planning because Pat, I love you, but... <laughs> I just, I'm just being honest. That's what I said. <laughs> I can feel some of your judgment. Anyway, um, no, I love Pat. I honor Pat. And I just went through. Thank you, Lord, for Pacific Power. Thank you that I have electricity and it's gone out a couple of times during the storms, but man, those guys get right on it. I pray you'd protect those guys as they're climbing those, those poles. And I just went through the whole budget, the whole budget, every line item. Lord, thank you for Junction City Public Works. God bless those guys. Thank you that my sewage drains, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I went through my budget worksheet, every single line item, and thanked him. And at the end of it, I was like, I am so filthy rich. Like everything that I need is 100% taken care of. Do you imagine how much we would be praying and fasting if we had no electricity right now? Seriously, just think about it for a minute. We just take it for granted. And if it goes out for like an hour, we're like, I'm gonna die. But like people lived without it forever. And it's just a line item on our budget worksheet. And you better have a budget worksheet. Are you guys hearing me? And you know what? At the end of that, it just lifted me out. It just lifted. I was suddenly in his presence. I was in his presence as I went through a budget worksheet and thanked him for all of the bills that I was paying. And I, by the way, I started with, thank you, Jesus, that I have money to pay all these bills. That's amazing. You provide for this every month. And then I was looking at some of it and I was like, Jesus, thank you that this is on the budget worksheet. Like, for most of Karen and I's marriage, this was not even on the budget. This was something we wished that we were paying for. Come on. Are you guys with me? Oh, yeah. So, this, this isn't a cute technique that I'm talking to you about. This is part of our relationship with the Lord. That we can worship Him with gratitude in absolutely every single part of our lives. Do you guys see that? And in fact, when we do it, when we do it, we begin to behold him because every good and perfect gift is from him. And when we behold him, we become like him. And what's he like? Loving, kind, merciful, generous, humble, consistent. He uses words about himself like everlasting, everlastingly merciful. Who would like to be a little more like that? Come on. And as we worship him, these are the outcomes. When we look at his character, and you know, you cannot, you cannot be, you can't have too much gratitude. I've got two minutes and I want to finish with this in these two minutes. One of the things that I have found is in the area of worship, we're consistently being accused by the enemy. And I want to, I want to say this. Every accusation of the enemy and everything about your history and everything that you've come from, every bad thing you've ever done, every mistake you've ever made today, if you're in a posture of worship, if you're in this posture of worship, you will always land in humility and gratitude when you make a mistake or when you remember any mistake that you've made. Do you know why? Because every time that you sin, every time that you fall short, every time that you have yet to, like you're, you're, you're always, you're all moving forward, but every time you fall short of like your goal or what have you, you know what it does. Or every time the devil accuses you, you know what it does. It just reminds you who you serve. 
I, res- I serve a God whose mercy is everlasting. I-, I serve a God who did everything. While I was his enemy, he chose me and loves me. Of course I'm guilty. Thank you, Satan. I'm actually, I'm really glad you brought that up. Apart from him, I'm a horrible person. And he totally loves me. And he completely saved me. And he forgave every sin. And when I repented, he washed me clean and told me I'm his favorite Joshua Rivas. And his mercies are everlasting. I am so humbled by that. And it just makes me all the more thankful that my dad loves me and his mercies are everlasting. Do you see that? You see, I want you to understand that whatever accusations have been coming at you, whatever your past has been, when you go to gratitude, even the things you're ashamed of will actually become more gratitude. Do you see that? You're looking at me like you don't. Let me unpack it one more time. I I didn't say it super well. Even the accusations of the enemy, if we look at the reality of what he has done to redeem us, and he has redeemed all things, Christ Jesus paid for every sin, and he chose us while we were still his enemies, then any accusation that comes or any shortfall that we have brings us back to the reality of what Christ has done for us and that God doesn't reject us. So what it does is it just causes us to be humble, like, oh my goodness, it really is all on you. You really are taking care of everything. You're never going to give up on me. You're never going to reject me. And if I'll turn to you, you'll forgive me. Why? Because your mercy is everlasting. And then what happens when I start to think about that reality? I'm so grateful, Lord. I'm so grateful. I can't help but be thankful that you just forgave me again, Lord. I'm all the more humbled. I've actually experienced more, even like I'm talking about like if you fall short, then that means that today you just now experienced more mercy today in, your, in light of your recent failure, be it whatever it is, than you've ever had before. Because he just did what he said he would do again. But for you, your new testimony is his mercy is even greater than it was yesterday. It doesn't get less, it gets greater. And it results in more gratitude and humility. What's the point? You can't lose. You just can't lose. If you leave with anything today, he's a good, good God. He's crazy about you. And when you respond to him, it blesses his heart. These are a couple more these are a couple more tools for you. Were they helpful? Yes. All right. Well, why don't we, uh, why don't we practice with, our, with, our, with my favorite one, being a Joshua. Stand up to your feet. Let's go with, thank you, Dad. How about that? How about that? How about thank you, Dad? And let's let, let's let the whole world hear it. Let's end with a big shout. And we'll just, uh, I'll just raise my arms and we'll just shout out a big old thank you, Dad. How's that sound? Amen. All right, you guys ready?
We'll do about three of them. Feel, that feels right. Trinity. You guys ready? All right. One, two, three. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Dad. Amen. <laughs>